Today's episode of the BS Podcast brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor since 1981. Find the best tickets for Caps Penguins, Celts Bulls, Wiz Hawks, Rangers Round 2, any MLB game, Hamilton, maybe even Game 5, Clips, Jazz. Hurrah, Bob's thinking about it. You name it, I have SeatGeek on my phone. It's by far the easiest way to shop for the best tickets thanks to their revolutionary grading system. Buy and sell tickets. Just two taps on your phone, two taps, everything fully guaranteed. Try it out. Download the SeatGeek app today. Or go right to SeatGeek.com. We're also brought to you by The Watch. That's where you can find the ringers Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald talking pop culture on Mondays and Thursdays. If you love The Leftovers, you definitely want to hear their latest pod with Leftovers creator Damon Lindelof. Subscribe to The Watch wherever you get podcasts. Check out The Ringer NFL Show because it's Draft Week and Robert Mays, Mike Lombardi, Kevin Clark have you covered before, during, and after the draft. And finally, check out TheRinger.com. We were loaded today including a slew of NBA pieces. Kevin O'Connor did the premature playoff awards. And Sean Fennessy found the courage to be the only writer on the internet who doesn't love watching Russell Westbrook and thinks his play is counterproductive. And it is the most, po- we're going to talk about to Haralba about this in a second. The most polarizing topic dating back to 2011 when we had Grantland in six years. Westbrook is the most polarizing topic I can ever remember in the office. Yep. More polarizing than TV shows, movies, Anything. Anyway, uh, you will find at least one NBA piece from me on TheRinger.com this week. Maybe two. Coming up, Haralabob Vulgaris, our old friend. Here comes Pearl Jam. Well, the people are asking for it. They're saying, where's Haralabob? Where is he? He used to come on the podcast from for, for years. I, I want to know what to think about the MVP. I want to know I want to know who's gonna win the NBA playoffs. And and he, he was just he was MIA and now he's here. Haral Bob Bulgaris. One of our here. favorites. Yep. How good are you? Here. I'm good. Good. Um who did you have just out of curiosity for MVP? You had Kawhi, correct? Yeah, I had Kawhi. That's a tough one. I'm pretty happy with it, I think. I mean, not that I have a vote, but if I did have a vote, I'd at first, that, I usually don't really pay much attention to MVP. I think it's kind of a... First of all, what did... I don't really understand. Careful. It. It's the highlight of my life, voting for it every year. <laughs> I love voting for MVP. Yeah, usually I don't really pay much attention. But because this year was so interesting, I thought, there's so many different ways you could go with it, and there's so many different arguments. I mean, you could argue one to four. I don't think there's ever been an MVP where you could do one to three, let alone one to four. Yeah. I mean, you, you probably could make... There's been argument. a couple. Like, just not this century. Sure. There hasn't been a four-person race like yeah, this. since I've... Been following yeah, since you've been into it. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So I went Kawhi. I think people discount his defense. People discount how efficient he is on offense. Um, just having to, he's the only player who has to defend the other team's best option on offense, usually. Now, there's lots of arguments you could make against Kawhi, like he rests, doesn't play that many minutes, plays on a really good team. But yeah, I went Kawhi. You were on the Kawhi train. A couple years before it became Super cool. Yeah, yeah, like 2013 you were into it. But you're, Even earlier. Your models and stuff, because you were, you were gambling on the NBA for years and years, your models always favored two-way players, right? A little bit? Yeah, I don't know if they favor two-way players. They just realize how important a two-way player is. Uh, Kawhi, definitely an example. Then also just the efficiency and the ability to do different things in terms of where you're getting your points from, how many times, I mean, he doesn't turn the ball over very much. He doesn't really do anything bad on offense. Right. Like if Kawhi has a bad game offensively shooting, which he almost never does, he doesn't do anything else bad. So you, you know, it's not like 
Carmelo has a bad game on offense. It's just he's a complete zero because he's not probably not defending very well. He's probably not rebounding. He's probably not you know, getting very many steals or anything like that. Kawhi does all that. Uh, another guy that we were probably pretty far ahead on was Paul George, I think, is another example of that. Paul George is someone that I liked for a long time before he became really really good he's up and now he's overrated no he's <laughs> he's definitely overrated no way i don't i mean i it, you're like oh I'm he's so in, there's like he's, he's so inconsistent paul george is so inconsistent it's like oh i mean the year that he came back from breaking his leg in two yeah that's true i mean <laughs> that is the one case for paul yeah, george he did break his leg in half yeah i mean that was the most horrific that was a pretty horrific incident and then he comes back from that early which people didn't think he'd come back when he did and he did come back and yeah okay he wasn't great when he came back as good as he was before but He's performed in the playoffs every year. He's a great player. I don't he was think... great in in uh, the second time they played Miami. Yeah. The first year, like great, basically he was Granger's protege, right? And then the second year, Granger was out, and he stepped up in a way that I don't think anyone was prepared for. But you were prepared. You were on the sure. bandwagon. Early. They played the Knicks that that playoff series, and the Knicks were pretty big favorite. Yeah, they're like fifty five win team, seventy yeah, percent favorite to win that series. I think something like that, roughly. And it was just a joke. I thought that was the biggest joke ever. Yeah, I think the Pacers beat them four games to two and beat them handily. I remember you and I were emailing during that stretch, and you were you were delighted. Like once or twice a year, there would be a situation like that where the public team, sure, and the Knicks are like the skewed. perfect public team because it's right. New York and everyone thinks they're so good. And yeah. People still think they're good. Like this year, they're they're. You know, Derek Rose is talking about them being a super team. <laughs> right. <laughs> that gives you an idea of how skewed Well, the he did make the is. playoffs. He was at game four yesterday wearing a jogging suit with his kid <laughs> in city courtside. Yeah, I saw that. My, my one gripe with Paul George, and I think you saw it in, in this Cavs series, even though he had to do a lot, I don't know if he's a high-volume offensive player. I think if he's your second-best player, that's great. But I, like, I don't think he has the ceiling that Jimmy Butler has. Jimmy Butler... I mean, we were going to talk about how Fred Hoiberg ran him into the ground yesterday, but Jimmy Butler, you can run the whole offense through him. And I feel like there's a level he can get to that Paul George is basically just a 40% shooter who, especially in the last five minutes, I feel like I can stop Paul George. Whereas Jimmy Butler, I feel like he can do more things. Sure, that's possible. I mean, I definitely, going into this year and maybe even during the year, uh, if I was asked who I liked better, Paul George or Jimmy Butler, I, I, I would say paul george easily really but i've been rethinking it in the playoffs a little bit i don't know i mean i i might have underestimated jimmy butler a little on offense you know the interesting about jimmy butler is he doesn't look like he's nearly as tall as paul george because he's not as long but they're not that different in height i mean there's like an inch or two between the two of them in height and jimmy's got that that hairdo that gives him a few more inches too. Right. Um, Very smart. It's a good Dr. J in the <laughs> ABA. He was 6'11". Is, but that yeah. might be why his height is, now that I think about it, that might be why there only, there's only a couple, because they might have measured it up a little bit. Yeah. But um, possibly, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with just, I mean, I, I think Paul George is, has a lot more upside if he's in the right situation. I think yeah. like Jimmy Butler's playing probably about as good as he's playing he's probably not going to play any better and it's not like paul george is a young player and he's going to improve a lot but um but his situation might improve yeah his situation like if you put him on the celtics with isaiah being able to carry the offensive load isaiah can carry and then paul george doesn't have to totally worry about that and can kind of fit in i think he would be really good maybe yeah i think also just he doesn't. For, I think since his injury, or he's not, he's not really a big foul drawer. He doesn't really drive a lot. Like he complains how he never gets it's true, never gets any foul calls. 
but he also takes a lot of mid-range jumpers and he takes a lot of fadeaways. Yeah, and shots like that you're not going to get, you know, unless you're like you're not going to get a foul call on that or shooting foul on that. So um, that's something where maybe the right situation or the right offense or the right coach could maybe bring that out of him possibly he's the guy i look at when i look at jalen brown who i've had a roller coaster ride with this year who i loved <laughs> i was all in and then he hit the ricky wall and now he can't even play in this playoff series but if you look at his stats same situation as george came out early um super athletic kind of thrown into the water yeah his stats offensively are basically the same as paul george rookie year if you look at their per 36 it's like almost exact interesting and Defensively, I think he has a chance to have the same kind of upside. Maybe Paul's, you know, maybe going to be a little bit stronger. I don't know how Jalen's body is going to go. Sure. But Paul George wasn't Paul George for a couple years there. Really wasn't until Granger went down when he got through into the fire. And I wonder, like, that's why it's so hard for me to to judge this Jalen Brown pick because they're such a good team. If with especially with rookies, if they don't have it, what do you do? Like, they're trying to get the one seed. There's games with rookies where it's just like, oh, this guy's just running around like a chicken with his head cut off. The rookie wall is probably the most underrated thing in basketball. I mean, yeah. every player hits the rookie wall. No question. I mean, maybe LeBron, you can make the case that LeBron didn't. We can't count LeBron with any conversation sure. about basketball. In our model, we actually had we had like a, a rookie model, which wasn't very good. But even as as bad as it was, one of the things we had was like, if, if one of our rookies projected to be about as good as LeBron, we knew our model was just messed up because there's only one LeBron. <laughs> That's have, interesting. So like Tyreek Evans rookie year. He had like, he, his rookie year was quite good. Yeah. And it compared very favorably to LeBron. And I he remember, was like 26 and five. Yeah. I remember looking at that and I was like, there's something wrong with this. I don't care what his stats are. There's no way there should LeBron needs to, we need to figure out a way to make our model account for the fact that LeBron is LeBron and everyone else isn't. The models that the public uses, I think the biggest flaw with them is they don't account for durability and minutes. Yeah. You know, like you'll see some of the, oh, but his PR is really, JaVale McGee has 48 PR. He's, well, he's playing 13 minutes a game. Yeah, you can't extend that stuff out. I mean, that, that's the one thing that's, but, you know, within that, you'll find some players who are playing just a few minutes a game who are quite good and then yeah. they're giving the opportunity when they're given. But so there's, you kind of have, that's why you, you can't just be a model. Or you have to like actually watch the games and yeah, and sometimes to, to bench guys are some common sense. Yeah, bench guys sometimes are really good in little seven minute spurts. Other guys are better when they play thirty five minutes. Yeah, and it's hard for them to just play two seven minute spurts and that's all they do. Sure, you know, especially some shooters. What a, do you feel like the internet has caught up to some of the intelligence you had five years ago? Oh yeah, for sure. I would think so. Feels like the last two years, especially like I never even I never even knew what the hell offensive rating was. I just didn't understand it. And now, you know, I I wrote that I wrote my NBA book in like oh nine. I didn't have the benefit of really any of these advanced stats. And even I had a whole section about how overrated Oscar's triple double was because of the pace. And I just had to use like field goal attempts. <laughs> Look at all these field goal attempts that year. And now it's like we can really cut it down. It's funny though, looking at those offensive ratings which I think is a little bit of a better indicator than PER. Yeah. But like, if you go back in history, it's pretty good. It's the guys that are in the one twenties are the right guys. You know what I mean? Sure. And then even ahead of all of that stuff, you have like the super quiet part of the internet where you have like the people who go to Sloan every year and yeah. write on blogs who are doing stuff that, that is, that is pretty, pretty much super advanced. I would say, I mean, it's still, there's still a lot of, there's still a lot of dark holes and there's still a lot of, weaknesses in some of those models but yeah it's caught up for sure there the stuff is really good stuff on the internet's pretty good especially if you know where to look 
I love this stuff. I mean, I've always, for the last few years, I love like the field goal percentages of where guys shoot in the floor. Like Marcus Smart, who's one of the worst shooters I've ever seen, he's good on corner threes. And I watch that on the eye test. I'm just like, oh, he's in the corner. He's going to make this. But it's nice to have the numbers that back that up to be like, oh, if he's in these two spots, he's really good. And I think teams probably about, well, probably they were hiding it for a while, but I would say 2012, 2013 really started to look at location. Sure. And, oh, our offense does this. This guy's shot is open. You know, if we play the four, he's open in this spot. Let's go look at all the guys in the league who are good at that spot. And then they go and they sign him. It's funny. The people had, to give you an idea how far behind some teams were, like the the Lakers in the year they lost to the Celtics were encouraging open corner threes from the Celtics, who shot, I think, 1.4 points for that was the po- yeah. Posey House yeah Pierce, Posey House Ray Pierce Allen. Ray Allen you could see it every time there was an open corner three Lamar Owen would be streaking down the court for a fast break that never happened because the ball was going in <laughs> and it's funny because I I've told this story a few times but I remember reading like Phil Jackson saying something about yeah we don't take those corner threes because they lead to fast breaks and I was like oh mm. that might make sense and so I watched every corner three that was taken in the NBA and chartered you know, did it lead to a fast break or didn't it? And it actually was the case that corner threes led to less fast breaks yeah, than other shots from the three-point line. So it's, it's almost like Phil Jackson doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> right. It's interesting <laughs> because that was like the first idea that I was like, hmm. hmm. And then the year Memphis was beating Golden State two games to one. And I forget who was, I guess was it, I guess Atlanta was the leading team and they were losing. And he was like, oh, can someone tell me how the three-point shooting teams are doing in the playoffs right now. He tweeted it, right? How's it going? Oh, God. And that was kind of, because people really thought, oh, okay, yeah, look at this. You can't, people still said that you can't win being a three-point shooting team. Now in the NBA, like if you're not shooting threes, you're not even competing at all. When you watch a team like Houston, is that, were you kind of waiting for somebody to do this for years and years? Yeah. I remember even talking to Daryl about it, like Sloan, and I was, and just thinking like, this team is ruining basketball's model. Like it breaks the model for sure. Yeah. Because you, you know, their three point rate was like climbing high. I think this year their three point rate, which is the ratio of three point shots to two point shots and, and free throws is like at in the forward. Like they're off the chart, like literally off the chart. Like if you make the chart and you don't, they're completely in the top right corner and everyone else is somewhere in the middle. And so the game does become more random for sure. Um, and, and that's what the Celtics love. Sure. And the Celtics, it sounds it sounds like too pat to say this, but it really does come down most of the time with them whether they make three pointers or not. Last night was an aberration because I think they were like nine for thirty five or something from three. Like they couldn't make them, but they still won. Normally, when they miss from three, it's a disaster because they're high volume. If they're under thirty five percent, that's when I'm always like, uh oh, this is going to end up it's badly. Trouble. But Isaiah just played well, and Hoiberg coached one of the worst games that in the last a, couple of years. That was a crazy game. Yeah. I couldn't believe. They did it in at the beginning of the fourth quarter because Isaiah had four fouls for basically the whole second half. And there was one time in the – it was late third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, when Butler got switched on him and he just backed him down. And, and Isaiah wasn't going to guard him, foul him, anything. So Jimmy Butler basically just backed, backed down, down, did a little and... two-footer. And I'm like, oh, my God, they figured it out. And then they never did it again. That's what's interesting about the playoffs is watching these adjustments these coaches make or don't make or the players make. In the first half, the Celtics were liberally switching that that small-to-small pick-and-roll. Yeah. And so that's what the Bulls ran. And then in the second half, they fought through, Marcus Smart fought through one switch. And Isaiah didn't have to guard him. 
because they fought through the switch, but it wasn't really a good pick. So now the small to small, maybe you can make an argument wasn't working. But then uh, Stevens put Isaiah Thomas on Zipser. And Zipser was just standing, and that's a power forward. He doesn't move, though. That's well, perfect for Isaiah. But he could set a screen. And True. he could probably set a screen that's, you know, decent enough where it's going to be tough to fight through that. And now you can get the switch you wanted. They never even tried. I mean, they just stood. They just they just stuck Zipser in the corner, and Isaiah had to do nothing. And I think that was the turning point in the game because it allowed him to play offense. It allowed him not to worry about foul trouble. And then, yeah. It was interesting. And then he didn't play Lopez enough. He didn't they, play Lopez did at all in the fourth quarter. Lopez kills us. On the offensive. I mean, that's the one thing that's interesting. It's like, okay, will we really beat this team with our rebounding? They're going small. What are we going to do? Let's go small. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like the Celtics went small, but the Celtics were already small. Like they didn't, they, they played Amir Johnson, but then they would take him out. It wasn't like he played like the whole first quarter anyways. And so um, they never were a big team to begin with. It's not like they always started Amir, and they never started Amir and Horford, anyways. So it's like, are they really going small? They're- I don't. I never. I probably watched more Celtics this year than any year since '08. Amir hasn't ever really made sense, but for some reason, when he's in there with Horford, there's these couple of these lineups that they're just their plus minus is fantastic, which is why they do it because they rebound. It's the only lineup where they but really not on, not rebound. against the Bulls. They weren't, and that's why it took yeah. them a while to realize, like, not the series for Amir, which yeah. a lot of coaches just. Nope, we're going to play him. It worked all year. And then they'll just, they're out of the playoffs. Yeah. In this case, they were like, not the series for Amir. And they went small, which is funny because it's almost like professional wrestling. Like they, you you go out of the ring, you hope the other guy comes out of the ring. Yeah, come out of the ring. Come out here. And they went, if it's small ball versus small ball, there's only three teams that can hang with the Celtics. And Chicago is not one of them. Yeah. I mean, there's probably more than three teams, but Chicago isn't one of them. Houston, Golden State, Cleveland, who else? That's it. The, oh. the Celts can hang with all those teams if you're going small and small. But as soon as they're, the variable switches, I mean, they're in trouble. It just depends. Like, this is a bad matchup because for lots of reasons. Like, not having a point guard if you're Chicago is pretty big. <laughs> right. <laughs> because well, explain the whole thing about how if you went Wade and Butler as your backcourt, the trouble that leads. Who's going to gonna guard Isaiah when that happens? Jimmy Butler, who's exhausted he's in the fourth quarter, and yeah, and he can't chase Isaiah around. That's that's it's so int- Isaiah in this series is usually Isaiah is usually a liability because he's really bad on defense. Yeah, not a liability totally, but on defense he's a liability. But because they have no point guards, they have to play Isaiah Cannon to guard him. And now Isaiah Cannon on offense is, you know, he might get have a good game, but he's probably not going to have a great offensive game. He's not a good offensive player. He turns the ball over a lot, doesn't shoot. I got excited well. every time he took a shot. Yeah. Please keep shooting Isaiah Cannon. And I'm sure they got excited when he didn't turn it over. Like yeah. Was, oh, he got a shot off. That's good. Because he's, you know, he's, he's not up to that level at this point. He's not a primary. First of all, he's not a primary ball handling point guard. He's not a point guard. He's been a shooting guard most of his NBA career when he's played. He's always yeah. been the guy off the ball, not with the ball. So that's the reason why. Um, now, could Wade guard? Could you ask Wade to guard Jimmy nah. uh, or Isaiah Thomas for a little bit? Nah. And maybe give Jimmy, give me Jimmy Butler a little bit of a break. He didn't sign up for that. Probably not. So what do you do? Wade didn't even sign up to to help them out yesterday in Game Four for some reason. Where was he? Yeah, he, it's, it's not like he's done. Like this is not somebody who should be at the end of his career. I can't believe that he couldn't have a bigger game than that. He might be battling something. I'm not sure. Maybe. I mean, yeah, he might have a lot tough. of yeah. He might have had a lot of uh, attrition. I him. watched. Um, the Houston Oklahoma City game yesterday, and it looked to me like Harden was like 
on drugs or something. I was like, what's wrong with Harden? Right. Is, right. But then after the game, he said he, he hurt his ankle. He, he hurt his ankle in game three, and that's why he was... So you just never really know unless the player says there's something. Because Harden was terrible for the entire game. He was not, awful. Not just terrible, but it looked like he didn't want to play. And it makes sense if he had an ankle injury because he... Not that he didn't want to play, it's just he was hurting. He was laboring. They used him almost as a as a decoy. It was... I mean, it was weird. He would, First of all, he would sit there on defense. He's already guarding Roberson, not having to do anything. But he would just wouldn't even help that he wasn't even moving at all on defense and then on offense he would get the ball and and he was just deferring he wasn't really when he yeah. get it he would he'd settle for a bad shot every once in a while he would drive and drive and bounce it off his knee out of bounds or whatever i saw really what you said on twitter about you'd think that it's indisputable houston has a better supporting cast and i actually agree with you but you want to dispute I, the indisputable <laughs> indisputable um I do think OKC has good players that they have put in a position of fail for most of this year. The way basketball is played, when you're basically saying to just about everyone on your team, you, you're here to help Russ. Oh, he needs you now. Now get ready. That's not how it works. You can't do it that way. Oladipo is somebody to me that I think could be a really good offensive player. Against, especially against second units. That's one thing where they could play him against second units more and let him carry it a little bit. Like, I don't know why they're playing Norris Cole. Um, that, and that helps him because it's giving him confidence. He's getting reps, creating the offense, making plays. And then in crunch time, when he's out there with Westbrook, they can actually go to him. He can do something. When you look at the, when you like line the, the teams up and you compare them, you could, I could see how you could make that argument. And some of them maybe arguably are on like an isolation or like in a, just looking at each individual player alone, better players like Oladipo, probably if you look at him and you had to draft him or whatever, let's say, assume these players are all unknown players and they're free agents. You'd say probably Oladipo's better than Lou Williams, right? Of course. Oh yeah. But Lou Williams does one thing really well and that score bas- score baskets and draw fouls and get fast. And in and a team concept and just not even a team concept they're just better basketball players in this day and age because look that Houston team is like the biggest jabroni team ever i mean all they do is shoot threes and draw those like chintzy fouls where yeah. they're like coming off a screen but that works in today's game you can't play basketball like Ryan Anderson has had a terrible playoff series but him being two or three feet behind the three point line and still being a threat that's a valuable offensive Commodity. Couldn't Doug McDermott do that for the Thunder, though? You're just not going to respect him as much, I don't think. He's not as good a three-point shooter as Ryan Anderson. I mean, Ryan Anderson on open three. Like, I did a thing where I just compared, like, open three-point shots, right? Yeah. So, players wide open on three. This isn't a proxy for who's a better basketball player, but right. it is a proxy for who's a better three-point shooter. Right. And it is a better for who's a better— It is a good proxy for who's a better offensive player. Um, I mean, I think the best player shooting threes for Oklahoma City was Oladipo, and he was, like, sub— 30, I forget, but 30, 33, 32%. Houston had guys that were in the 40s. I mean, three of them. Yeah. And that's in today's basketball game, that's that's a skill that makes you a better basketball player. It creates more lanes for your other players. It, you know, you get three points when it goes in. It's just, it's better. Hold this thought. I want to keep talking about that series. Want to talk about texture really quick? How do we keep this podcast fresh? I read a ton of stuff every day, including a bunch of magazines on the texture app. Texture gives me access to hundreds of magazines like The Atlantic, New York Magazine, The New Yorker, and SI all in one place on my tablet or phone. With daily recommendations, interactive features, videos, and more, the Texture app makes it easy to find and enjoy the articles I want to read. It's even searchable, so you can mark what you like, check out back issues, or view bonus content. No wonder it was selected as one of Apple's top 2016 iPad apps. I read just about everything on my iPad. Do you read stuff on your iPad? No. 
I love reading on my iPad. Texture has been a godsend. Maybe now I will. With Normally Texture, texture $9.99 a month for access to over 200 magazines. But if you sign up right now, texture.com slash BS, you get a 14-day free trial. What's better than that? Why subscribe to a couple of mags when you can subscribe to all of them? Start your free trial. Download the Texture app. Go to texture.com slash BS for your 14-day free trial. Who did you think was going to win Oklahoma City versus Houston heading into the series? Houston. Yeah. I thought Oklahoma City could make some adjustments and cause them some difficulty. And Rebounding and defense, right? Yeah. Rebounding defense and Russ could have won this series, I feel like. Sure. And every game, is, there's been some close games. It's not the thing about a seven-game series, anything can happen. But I, I did think if I had to guess which team would win the series, I would, I would say Houston. What was the biggest surprise in round one for you? Um, not even like who's winning, but just like something you didn't expect. With I didn't expect the Bulls to have that much success with Rondo. In the first two games, like versus Boston, I didn't see that coming. And I, didn't I really was think, there for game I, one. I, really I can tell you, it. nobody saw it coming. I didn't really think. It's not, it's not like I sat there and like really studied the series and was like, yeah. "Oh, what am I going to do this series?" But, um, but after it was while, while it was happening, I was kind of like, "Oh yeah, this this is kind of surprising." That's really disapp- I'm not a huge. I'm I'm actually a pretty big Rondo. You know, not I don't. And I'm not a big Rondo fan at all. That's putting right. it, putting it mildly, but he's. He played really well for them in the first two games. Yeah. And, I, and it's kind of disappointing that he got injured because I think it would have made that series like a lot more interesting. I wasn't disappointed at all. No, it didn't seem that way. Um, he definitely knew where all the plays were going. And I, I will say, though, now that you watch Isaiah in game four, looked like Isaiah again. How many times during the season did he just rip losses and turn them into wins? Yeah, that's game another. one. The game four as a in game one, they win game one, you yeah. know, because he did that over and over again this season. That's another thing. It's like yeah. this, this poor guy is playing under an unrealistic amount of stress. And Yesterday heartache. was the first day where he looked like the guy I watched all season. I just don't understand how uh, how he was even able to play. Like, I get I that either. it's a release and so, but it just must have been so difficult. I can't, I've, I've never lost anyone in my life, like, yet. I'm pretty, like, none of my I've siblings, never been new- none of my, so I, I can't imagine. I've never been to a game where the, a guy cried in the pregame intros and then played. I mean, think about how much emotion you have to then just get thrown out. You're in a playoff basketball sure. game. And I, I definitely think it affected him. And, it has to have, yeah. And, you know, I, I think yesterday was the first day there was a little light at the end of the tunnel for seemed that him way. looking like him. Yeah. The other thing was Smart was just horrendous the whole series. And then <laughs> in the second half, started doing all that Marcus Smart, how do you even measure this guy with analytics stuff? Like, he just does things you know and a lot most of the time you're terrified it's like no no he's a no no yes guy there's no question he'll do a dumb foul every once in a while he'll do a dumb pass so he'll lose his con but then he has these moments where he's just there sure in the right spots by the way those are the guys that measure well in analytics really how come it's it's like the baddier thing like the you know it's it's, it's it's the guys who do the things that don't get measured in the box score yeah. You know, they set good screens, they fight through screens, they switch when they're supposed to, they help, they retreat back to their defender. They it's just that stuff measures in in because the other team scores less when they're on the court, maybe his team scores a little bit more efficiently. So that type of stuff does does measure well in it. So he's the new baddie, is what you're no, saying? I'm just saying that Is he a Sloan conference panel? <laughs> no, not at all. But I'm just saying that, that that those guys they don't if you don't if you have a guy who does well, your team performs well with them when he's on the court, but they don't really show up in the box score, there's analytics that kind of show that and Badier was like the leader for that who's the leader now um I don't know I'd have to think about it I suppose there's a couple different guys that are pretty good I you know 
someone like Beverly probably measures pretty well just because yeah, he defends the other teams, point guards, and, and he does really well against Curry. There's guys that are that measure well and that analytics loves even more than like Chris Paul. Uh, that he measures really, really good with the eye test with basic box score statistics, and then when the analytics takes a look at him, they, he's even better. Chris Paul is the triple crown of that. He's eye test. Yeah. He's regular metrics and he's advanced metrics. Sure. He's all three. Yeah, LeBron. You know, there's the really great players measure well in both, and then there's players who are kind of underrated. I told you I don't count LeBron for any of these discussions. Yeah, me neither. So yeah. he's, he's a robot sent from the future to destroy us. Where? What about Westbrook? Where did, where did your analytics have? It's he's probably the most confusing player that we've ever tried to measure with this stuff. I mean, no, there's no basis in history, at least in modern statistics, since the play-by-play data became available for a player with that high of a usage yeah i mean that like i tried to write that five weeks ago and everybody's like you hate westbrook it's like i'm just pointing out that nobody's ever hogged the ball like this yeah and so the a model would have a lot of difficulty with that they just wouldn't understand what's going on why does why is our upward cap for usage is like 38 or whatever percent this guy's in the 40s and or higher and so that's there's that he isn't that efficient, but he gets to the free throw line a lot. I don't know. It's in our model doesn't think a lot of him. I don't defensively, think defensively, especially. I would guess this year he didn't do too well in the model. Yeah, probably not. I mean, I don't know. It's he's a like you said, he's very polarizing. I love watching him play. Me too. But I'm not sure I would want him on my team if I was a, 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 if I if I had a team. I don't That's, know. I'm not saying I wouldn't. I'm just saying I'm not sure that I would. That's the crux of the Westbrook issue. Everyone's like, love watching him play, respect what he does. Would you want to play with him? No, no, right. never. I wouldn't. But but, but, but you, I love watching him. So because he's not on guys, my team. His guys seem the guys on his team seem to love him. So it's interesting. Like so, it's like Stockholm syndrome, though. That's what happened with Kobe. I, I don't know. In 2010, Kobe's teammates were like, Kobe's a great guy. I really like him. Like it was like they'd been brainwashed. I don't know, man. When he that game against Orlando, when he. No, it is true. They they were they're in his corner. They really do love playing for him. It's it's interesting. That's it's like a cult over there, though. I feel like a little bit Oklahoma City. Yeah, maybe a lot of young players. They always go for the young. Yeah, Elias Sova. They had to trade. He's too old. He's on to us. We got to trade him for another impressionable <laughs> young guy. <laughs> yeah, possibly. I, don't know. I think Westbrook's incredible, and I also think that if somebody's going to have the ball that much, it's impossible for them to win a playoff series. I just don't, there's literally not one example in the history of basketball that this has led to real success. It doesn't work. You need five guys. But if you look at that team after they lost Durant. Yes. What path to drop, led to success? Like that's that, the thing. They couldn't, this, I don't know if this was the best way to do it, but it certainly is the most, I mean, you're not going to win a championship. You're probably not going to get to the conference finals anyways. And so your goal is to maximize seats, attention, Whatever this did, it. it was very smart. It's, if we forget that sometimes this is an entertainment product too, it's not just always all about winning. I mean, it is about winning, but there's going to be lots of years where you're just not going to be able to compete. Like if you're in the East, you're just basically waiting for LeBron to get traded to the West, or sign with him in the West, or retire. Yeah, you're not going anywhere probably. So what do you do in the interim? Or frame him for a murder? You could do that. There, you there's could a do lot. That. Of, there's there's some lots of nefarious options <laughs> you, you could, could do. Frame him for a murder. Um, yeah, I mean, they, people always ask me these last couple of months, like where were the Celtics in the trade deadline? And first of all, Butler and George were not available because it's both of those teams are going to wait to see if the Lakers have a pick. I think they were available. I don't think that. I know for a fact Indy wasn't. I know for a fact that they went all in with a godfather offer and Bird wouldn't even call him back. 
Jimmy Butler, I think the Bulls. You mean, uh, the oh, okay, I see. They the Indy just wasn't trading him. They it wasn't happening in February. That's a mistake. I would be very surprised if he resigned with Indy. So here's why I don't think it was a mistake. Because if the Lakers get a top three pick, now you have two suitors who play oh, off okay. each other. Sure. I think they to me, still, it's, I mean, it's, I would say it's a mistake if 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 they waited till the very end of the three yeah you can't do that yeah. but if you Before. and i were running the bulls or the pacers and we're like oh the celtics want jimmy or paul we would meet about it and we would be like we can't do it until we find out if the lakers have that pick if there's ever a candidate to overpay for a player it's the los angeles lakers with magic and trying to throw the scent off this whole bus family disaster you know if they get the third pick they'll offer the third pick brandon ingram but, more but, picks whatever but Who's to? I mean, Paul George is unrestricted. He could just go In to the Lakers for yeah, but you don't have to. He could just go to the Lakers for nothing eventually. True. If it, well, that's the thing that Carmelo could have done that year, right? Yeah, could have just waited to sign with the Knicks and then stays like, no, no, I want it because you want to get paid. And they had to give up Gallinari and fell and all these all these assets. Yeah, a couple how'd, draft picks. How'd that work out for Melo? It worked out terrible. Yeah. So Paul George should should probably wait. Yeah. But uh, but with the Celtics, back to the point, which is like, I just don't think that they thought the team was good enough and that there wasn't anyone out there unless they could get Butler or George, which wasn't on the table, you know. Celtics would be a, would, would, would be a scary team with, with those two. They with would probably, them, yeah. yeah, with one of those two. But they would probably be, I mean, I don't know, Cleveland, everyone's like, oh, their defense, no one's ever played with a defense this bad, but. Their offense is pretty ridiculous. I mean, they don't. It's not that they don't care about defending; they don't really have to. Like LeBron surrounded by shooters is about absurd. as unstoppable. That LeBron as you and get. the bench unit is ridiculous. Yeah. it's yeah. absolutely ridiculous. I don't know how you stop it. I, I, the one thing with LeBron that I think over everything else that's been the most amazing is the injury luck. I've never seen anything like it. Like Blake Griffin's been hurt eleven times. I don't think that's luck, though. I don't think that's. I think well, I do part, think there's it, it, just one time roll an ankle or <laughs> like just anything. Like it's it's but almost I, impossible. Well, I think he ha- he he's 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 his skill is he's also durable. That's a he's skill. the most durable player since Kareem. Sure. And Kareem. I mean, even Kareem broke his hand once punching Kent Benson. Like LeBron's never had an injury. That's yeah. He's never he's yeah. never really missed significant time for anything. And in the playoffs. Which, like, even Bill Russell got hurt in the playoffs once. Like, LeBron's never had a playoff injury. Listen to you. <laughs> You're capping for a LeBron no, injury. No, I'm not capping anything. <laughs> I'm just pointing out it's a... Cr- LeBron, he's never gotten injured. I'm just saying. The injury- <laughs> a murder. How can I go for a murder? I'm just like, <laughs> just like, take it easy. I'm desperate. <laughs> no, but it is, like, injury luck decides the title pretty much every year. Yeah, but there's some players who just always get injured, and they're just like, oh, man, how unlucky. It's like, at some point... You yeah, know, I don't think Blake not- Griffin's unlucky anywhere. Yeah, there's a durability issue with some players. Blake Griffin, Kevin O'Connor has the complete list, but it's like, it's so long, you can't read it. Who's the on- other player that I'm completely... For injuries? Yeah, that I'm just complete. That's always has a different injury, and it's like, oh, he's injured again. <sighs> it's an NBA. I just, for some reason, it'll come to me in a minute. On a playoff team? Just, just a player that ever is always a good player, but who's always getting injured. And, oh, Anthony Davis. Oh yeah, that's a good one. So like, that's a, do you that's really a fear. think Anthony Davis has just been super unlucky, or is he probably he's got like he's not all the way to what that guy had in that Bruce Willis comic book movie Unbreakable. He's not all the way there, but he's on that spectrum where he's he's going to be injury prone. I think some pe- some people just know how to avoid injury, like. 
that even you see it as kids, like we, there's certain kids like in my son's class who always had these little injuries. Yeah. My son's never been injured. He's like tumbling off couches and <laughs> falling down the stair. Like he just doesn't get hurt. And I feel like LeBron is the greatest possible version of that. Yeah. LeBron, think of how many times he's crashed into people and he's just, he's just one of the greatest athletes of all time. I, I would say he's in the top five ever in any sport. And it's, it's also the type of thing where if you start getting a couple injuries, it exacerbates things because now you're favoring this niece and you have problems with the other. Right. Niece, so it just kind of snowballs. Plus the radiation. You imagine Anthony Davis is in that taking that MRI once, a, once every oh two God, games. Yes. <laughs> That's Terrible probably the biggest fear for him right now. Well, it? you've noticed you've been to a couple of Clipper games this year. Like you've noticed Blake athletically is not the same guy. I mean, now no. it doesn't matter anymore, but he just, he used to jump over people. And now yeah. he's going under and around people. Well, he wrote that article where he's like, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm trying to prolong my career. I need to become a mid-range specialist. And it's just kind of like, okay, but... Your athleticism was what made you special. No, not even. I'm just saying like, you're doing that. Sure, it's going to prolong your career, but you're not going to be as good a player as you used to be. That's Right. That's not a good way to play basketball. Uh, quick break to talk about Proper Cloth. Propercloth.com. Every guy knows it's hard to find a dress shirt that fits. Maybe the collar's too tight, the sleeves are too long, the shirt's too loose. I have some good news. Ordering a custom fit shirt has never been easier thanks to Proper Cloth. Create a custom shirt size in seconds by just answering 10 easy questions, no measuring required. Tate, have you done this yet? Not yet. Okay. Way to go, Tate. Over 500 fabric styles to choose from, everything from classic business to casual shirts, all high quality starting at just 85 bucks. Proper Cloth has hundreds of five-star reviews on Google and Yelp. It's the highest rated custom shirt maker on Google. Who would have the most five-star reviews on Yelp in the NBA? Probably LeBron. LeBron. Yeah. Maybe a lot of Westbrook and then there would be like the Westbrook counter crew would be putting one star reviews to but try. Then to... there'd be the guys who write reviews just like they'll have like a thousand five hundred reviews and they're the most they're reviewing the most ridiculous. They'd be like talking about Kawhi's defense. <laughs> Those guys. <laughs> Find out why GQ calls proper cloth their favorite online custom shirt maker. Go to their easy to use website. Make a custom profile order from your phone. By the way, proper cloth guarantees a perfect fit. Remakes are free. The proper cloth team makes it super easy to do. Stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Look your best. Go to propercloth.com slash BS. Enter gift code BS and save $20 on your first shirt. Clippers. Blake Griffin. This is year six. Blake, Chris, DeAndre have all been on the same team now for six years. Back in the day early on, we used to blame Vinny Del Negro. You and I especially. Like, <laughs> what is this especially, guy? Yeah. Come on. What's going on here? I remember there was one time when uh when Michael Smith predicted their play coming out of a timeout. That happens though. No, but he was just like, here's what they're gonna do. And I'm like, this is a terrible sign that Michael Smith knows <laughs> their play coming out of the timeout. Yeah. Um so then he leaves and Doc comes in, who you and I had always been a little suspicious about as a game coach, but respected. Yeah, of course. Better than Vinny. It all crests in 2015, the Houston series. When were you at that game? When they blew the 25 point lead or whatever that was? I went to every game that's not that one. I missed that was game six, was it? Game five or, or game six or whatever. They lost the next game. It was game five, yeah. And they lost game six and game seven. Yeah, no, I didn't go to that game. And then last year, all hell breaks loose. Now this year, it's kind of the last stand. Blake gets hurt, he's out. And now it looks like, what would you do? What would you do if you're running the Clippers? What, I don't, how, I don't, do you run this back for year seven? Yeah. I don't do you know. pay Blake $28 million a year next year or whatever he's going to get? 
I mean, you could say the, the, the thing that's interesting is like, what do you do if you're every team that's not Golden State? Because they have the NBA by the, I mean, they've got, that's it. They're the team that's probably only going to be the team that wins championships. So um, what would I do? I don't know. I I think that the model of player, or excuse me, coach and president of basketball operations is a terrible model. I, I think guys. I, I would like to agree. I think that, <laughs> I think that you need someone who is able to study just other players and the draft and strategy and all those other things. And you can't be doing that and coaching. And the Celtics team. have two GMs basically. Sure. Not Zarin. to mention a whole staff underneath them. Yeah. And doc for two years tried to do both jobs, coach and GM, which is just, just a suicide mission. And I, I don't think it's the, you know, it's not the same talent, the ability to coach and be a leader of, of men and drawing up plays, et cetera. is not the same talent as putting together a roster. Well, Phil Jackson, it worked out, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, no. It didn't work right. out at all. Right. So um, what do I do? I don't know. I probably I probably would have wanted to trade Blake a couple years ago. Last year was the year when Denver was ready to give up whatever to get him to get a superstar. And they probably could have gotten Jokic or, and Gallinari don't and you Will Barton. could have traded him to... Oklahoma City at some point for someone. I think the Celtics would have would have jumped at him big time last year. I think for they would have given picks, up both yeah. broken picks. And it's just it just it just shows you how hard it is to be a power forward in the NBA who plays his style. Yeah. He's not someone who crashes a lot in underneath the basket and he doesn't stretch it all the way out to the three point line. So you're just sitting in that point seven, point eight points per shot range of those long twos that he likes to take. And then DeAndre is there too. And he's clogging, clogging at least part up. of the lane. That's yeah. bad. So it's just, it's just, it's unless he develops a, like a terrific, it's just sad because he is a ridiculous. I mean, he's a great ball handler. He's a great playmaker. They can play fast. He's a, he's a spectacular talent. He's just in an era that makes him less valuable. I think. Well, I always wonder like this Westbrook Durant thing and how it played out where clearly both guys needed their own situation. I wonder if that's the case with Blake and Chris. And let's say, let's say they trade Blake to. I don't, I guess Blake's going to opt out, and I don't know. I forget how they change the sign and trade rules, so I, don't, I might not right. be right on this. But let's say they just said Blake, we'll re-sign you and we'll flip you. You know, in two months for for this. I think you have to wait even longer than that. But anyway, yeah, they did change it. I I hate I think it's they, December thirteenth. Yeah. Right. Once you oh it. shit. Yeah. All right, under the old sign and trade rules. But like, you know, put him on Orlando. And Orlando sends a like a three for one trade, which normally I'm against, but if you're the Clippers and you're able to get like Aaron Gordon as the Blake replacement and a couple other guys and who else would you want on that team though? And that's true. Well, all right, so this is, it's a double hypothetical. So if you can do a side of trade, Orlando had guys you wanted. Yeah. But no, I think Denver is a good example too. Of, but they're not getting Jokic now. No chance. Jokic, if they traded Jokic for Blake, I think there would be a riot in, in just, Denver. They'd, they'd be, get super stoned first, but then they would yeah. have a riot. Yeah. No, I actually, I don't even know where, where, the, where the Blake market is now. They, to your point, they missed it. Because like a year ago, I think it was much higher. Now it's like, okay, see, I could see doing it. The Knicks can never be ruled out under any circumstances for anything. They could or a team like Brooklyn. Yeah, they could certainly play the triangle with Blake. That would be fun. Or, you know, I, I just don't know what he does because if I'm him and I'm this banged up, 
I'm grabbing the money at that what point. Does, what does Chris Paul do is what I want to know. Like, I know they, he was on the, the, the union, whatever, leadership. What, what is he? He's like a union they, rep. They're going to call it the Chris Paul role. Yeah. But he like, you know, they specifically, him and LeBron specifically created this collective bargaining agreement thing that allowed them to maximize the amount of. The Chris Paul role. Yeah. And so now does he leave though? It's, it's just, five, it's five years, 201 million. It might even be more because the cap went up a little bit. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. If you were him, would you go to Milwaukee? I theorized this on Friday. If you're just trying, if Chris Paul's like, I just want to win a championship. I wouldn't go to Milwaukee. You would? <laughs> no, I would not. Oh, you would not. I, I, I want to go to Milwaukee. Where would you go if you're Chris Paul and you want to win a title? Oh, if I, yeah. I mean, I would go to the too East. Old. He's too, yeah, he would go to the East for sure. He's probably too old to go to, I don't think Milwaukee, even with Chris Paul, is ready. I don't think. I mean, I don't know. Um, he's, he would go, if you want to win a championship, you probably go to San Antonio. Is this Golden State thing? This is just where we're going to be the rest of the decade? Probably. We'll see. I don't know. The Caps... The, I, I, it's, it's different. Once you start winning championship, stuff changes. Like, obviously... Guys, you guys feel like they won the title, and now it's now like, right, it's I want to okay. get paid. Now I want to get paid. Yeah. I want to get out of here. Maybe someone felt like, oh, I won the title, and I didn't get enough credit because I did more than this guy did. You just never really know. The disease of more, as Pat Riley called it. Yeah. You yeah. just never really know. So, But... As constructed in the way things are now, it's pretty hard to beat that team for the next however long they're. Houston, I think, created the best possible team that hypothetically could beat them. Sure. Just from, they get the two monster Harding games and the two games where they hit a ton of threes. All the games where they hit a ton of threes. They're yeah. just going to, and they got, they're smart enough to realize that, look, we are not as good as this team. We need to junk up this game as much as possible and yeah. create as much variance as possible. Right, so which is what they what they're good at with a ton with a ton of threes, deep threes. Uh, it's going to be interesting if they match up. Durant's the X factor because now that Curry's playing better and they they have their mojo back a little bit, and then when they play that lineup with Durant and Draymond, nobody has the guy to match up against Durant in that situation. Like Washington, fun team. Yeah, I really enjoy watching Washington. I think they could score with Golden State, but the X factor would be you can't play Boyan. Washington's against a fun team if you make a rule that says only five players are allowed to play for an entire game, right? Because their bench is just a joke. It's just it's Boyan, ridiculous. It's like he watched like Brandon Jennings had a few moments where he just went had like a great moment in game two. But if you watch him on defense, you no, watch Boyan on defense. He's you watch Ubre, who everyone thinks is a great defender because every once in a while he'll deflect. I, the pass. I like Ubre. Am I wrong to like Ubre? He's he's great at getting those deflections. He does. He's brain, super long. He did brain fart a couple of times in these playoffs. Dude, he's yeah. He, he looks at it. He plays like right up on players, and then they blow by him. He gets. He's always out of position. He's it's it's he's like a high variance player because he's going to get a steal and for a dunk, which he may miss right because he missed a couple of those two, or he's going to just get some guy backdooring him or leaving him open, or he's just going to run up on someone and foul him when they're in the penalty. He did that twice in game two, just for no reason fouled off the ball when they're in the penalty because he wanted to play real close. Up I think it's player. young exuberance. Yeah, he seems like he's got some exuberance problems. Mm. I do like that Washington team, and I am hoping that. I think Washington Celtics would be so much fun. I, I, I swear they haven't played since like 1984 in a playoff series. I would series. love that one. I, and I it would love... just be great. It'd be Every game would be 120 to 117 or 128 to that's, 124. That's a team, though. How, how? Where do you put Isaiah in that versus that team? That's our big matchup problem with them. You put them basically in auto porter, and you just kind of hope, hope that that porter they don't set do pick and rolls and you know yeah. switch it so Isaiah's on. Yeah. 
Wall. Isaiah can't guard John Wall. Most people can't guard John Wall. No, but Isaiah can't guard John Wall. He can't guard Bradley Beal. No, that's a disaster. He probably can't even guard Kelly Oubre Jr. Probably can't guard Kelly Oubre Sr. It's, it's terrible. So it's it's tough. It's the Isaiah conundrum was that team in Toronto were weirdly that the, even Cleveland, they could match up better with it because they just put them on one of the shooters. But on Toronto, they, they had nobody to put them against. Yeah. And then on top of it, it's the one team that Jonas just kills the Celtics. He just yeah. loves it. What would you do at Toronto, Milwaukee? Where do you see that one going? Um, we should do a quick speed round. Sure. Uh, I see. I think Milwaukee is the better team for that matchup, but I don't know if they're ready to win. It seems like we've been here before with these young playoff teams and bunch of smoke getting blown up the asses yeah. and. It's tough. They they haven't been there before. Brogdon to me in Game Four looked, it looked it looked to me like he was feeling it for the first time. Yeah. Like, oh, we really need you. And it's like, I'm a rookie. I just started playing twenty. They games need ago. a big game for Middleton if they're yes. going to. And he, he sucked in was game terrible four. in Game Four. Yeah, awful. So I don't. Know, I see that series. I, I if I had to, I would probably. I mean, I don't know. I I think Milwaukee has a chance to win that series. I would probably. The history of this stuff is with young teams. As the series goes along, it's better for them because they just get a little more comfortable each game. And each and the fact that it's 2-2 and they have a chance to come back to Milwaukee if they won game five, I still really like this Toronto but team. How, but how about the fact that they were up two games to one and they had a chance to go up three games? That's, I know. that's huge. That's the swing of that is just like the, that's just huge. That's a huge swing. It was weird that they didn't see it coming what Toronto was obviously going to do in that game, which was just make it ugly, put PJ Tucker on Giannis. Well, what was slow really, it down. What was really weird is that Toronto didn't realize that Norman Powell should have been playing more. Right. That was the, the big, that was the that was the matchup change, the lineup change that really switched things for that, that yeah. series. Because which arguably should have happened in game one. Everyone on my Twitter feed was going crazy. I have, people love Norman Powell. Yeah. So it was uh, like you know, there's all these pictures of Norm from Cheers when he was <laughs> like when he played well. So that's that'll be interesting how they counter that. Is that the biggest toss-up series for you right now? The Clippers one is a pretty big toss-up series too. I mean, any series that's two-two is a pretty big. T- I mean, I think Boston's. I I I think Boston's definitely in the driver's seat. I think in their we're series. okay in that series. Um, I think Atlanta Washington's kind of a toss-up too. I mean. If you look at, I thought Washington was so much better than Atlanta to begin the series. I just thought this is like, but if you look at the first two games, Washington won. They didn't win. I mean, those games were in doubt. They were not go away wins, and a couple of things had to go right for Washington to win those games, and they did. Yeah, and I know Atlanta has way more options to make changes. Like that's always thing in a series. You always look at like, okay, who you know who has the ability to make like a lineup change or switch things around who has that ability because they have the pieces, and then will they actually do it? And Toronto can, fits that mo- mode too. Yeah. A lot of weird flexibility. They could do some different things, yeah. and, and they might find something that works. Some of it's just random. They're just plugging in different things, and it just happened to work. Oh, wow, look how good this is working. Yeah. But what, what move does Washington have other than just playing better? I mean, they have no depth whatsoever. If They have to play as fast as possible with Wall in transition, and they have to hope that... Atlanta, I mean, if Atlanta plays Dwight Howard less... Crashes the boards less, plays better on offense. Play Dwight Howard less is a good playoff recipe. Yeah, it's a bad matchup for them. He's 
probably past his prime. That would be that's a fair. I would say definitely. Yeah, pretty fair thing to say. Um, and you know, Mascala kind of stretches it out. If they want to play a center, they can play him, and then they can just play. They could just play small. It's not like you have to really worry about Gortat. Oh no, what are we going to do if we go small? Gortat's right. going to kill us. The Polish hammer. It's not. It's, I mean, he's a good player. He's a fine player, but he's not going to kill you. I've been small. stunned by Schroeder, who I was never a fan of. I always thought. He played one unreal. Of my, in one of my three. six or seven. I, I had him in the bottom six or seven for starting point cards the whole season. He played unreal in game three. Wow. I love John Wall. I, I can't believe he doesn't have a shoe contract. I think he's breathtaking. He's not a good defensive player. He is a good defensive player. I feel like he's not, though. I feel like he has the tools to be a good defensive player, but I don't see it. Like... To me, Schroeder should should shouldn't be just lighting them up like this. That's John's got to take that on himself well, and be like, I got to stop him. They've got to adjust their scheme a little bit and make it so that he's primarily guarding him when they run pick and roll because that's what's killing it. It's not you know they're not isoing and just or, or posting no. him up. It's pick and roll. You need to make an adjustment. The guy comes got to come over. Now the ball swings and it comes back to him. So there, it's hard because anytime you have a lot of that's a, that's a difference between Westbrook and other players, right? Westbrook. In pick and roll, you can pack the paint in because there's no shooters, right? But Atlanta, they've got the floor spread out a lot more, and so it creates those lanes. And that's like the that's that's the big that's a big difference that people don't really look, account for. Tonight is two. Tonight it could be two. Tonight two. it could be two two. He's got to win that. He's got to win that matchup. Got to crush that matchup. They played so that's bad. That's their biggest in game advantage. Three. That was like a. It's some of these teams that show up and just play so bad. It's just so interesting to me in the playoffs. It's usually an afternoon game, and it's it's. And you're just looking like, what is going on? I think those early afternoon playoff games almost are unbettable. They're <laughs> it's tough. like, they're tough you just to don't watch. know what the fuck's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, they're tough to watch. You don't sure. know if the guys have been out the night before. Sometimes they've played 36 hours before the game and they're tired from that. Or you just don't know. There was a game seven or a game five where Rudy Gay was at the Fantasy Factory dunking off trampolines till two or three in the morning <laughs> the night before. He was like literally the night before and the game was a noon Pacific start. Okay. And I was just like, Rudy, you play tomorrow, bro. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what are you doing? And then I remember just watching. He was terrible. I remember watching. I was like, dude, what are you doing? Why are you jumping off of trampolines into foam ball? Like he was at literally jumping off of trampolines, dunking for everyone at the Fantasy Factory until 2 or 3 in the morning. Might not have been that late. It was pretty late, though. The other thing with NBA players is they're on this body clock schedule where, you know, they're, they're trying to peak it from 7.30 to 10 at night. They go, they eat dinner afterwards. It's just different. They're usually up to like 3.34 in the morning. So you throw that random 12.30 or 2 o'clock East Coast time. It's brutal. And it's just like, it's, it's, yeah, you never know. Do one more for uh, Quicken Loans. When it comes down to the massive decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust who has your best interests in mind. With Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork with Rocket Mortgage. You can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval within minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you get the mortgage solution that's right for you, whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage. You can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash Bill Simmons, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Again, quickenloans.com slash Bill Simmons. So you think that's the most confusing series to run Atlanta? A little bit. Oh, Utah Clippers. Utah Clippers. But Utah Clippers is just guys, you never even know who's playing. Yeah. 
that that's been the toughest thing for me is like I almost want to do this series again where just everybody's in it. I want to know what happens. Yeah. Now it's like Well, what I we mean Goldbear looks like he's all the way there. It looks like he probably I mean he's not all the way there, but he played good enough in the first game back. Now he's got you know, bothered some shots. Yeah. Uh Iso Joe was unreal. Twenty straight points, either scored or assisted down the stretch. That's amazing. They had no answer for that. Rodney Hood is the all-time hit-or-miss right. guy on a playoff team, and he was actually good yesterday. Doc Rivers cut Joe Ingles for that a guy who now plays for Jiang Zhu, Monkey King in China. Who did he cut him for? I forget. <laughs> Jared Cunningham. <laughs> Jiang Zhu, Monkey King. That's literally the team the guy's playing for. In his defense, I watched Joe Ingles play last year, and I'm like, I think I even tweeted about it a couple of times. So I'm like, what am I missing with Joe Ingles? But I just couldn't like get it. That's a stereotype, I think. Like, if you Maybe look at Joe Ingles, you're not like, oh, that guy's an NBA. Like, if someone, if you're at a club and someone, and you're a girl and someone's like, oh, that guy plays in the NBA, you'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Right. He's like Marty NBA. Conlon for he's this got, like, generation. Like, he looks, yeah, he looks like Biff, like from the future and back to the future. He's like, but he wasn't, balling. this year he's actually making threes. I thought when they had him guarding Chris Paul at the end of game three was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. It, it wasn't completely a disaster. He's a good defender. Yeah. It's because he's he's got really he's got a lot of length and he's smart. He knows angles. He knows where to push a guy. He knows how to like use his hands on the hips and move him this way, move him that way. So, yeah. Uh, you know what was interesting about that game was the Clippers played that game like they wanted that game to be as less. They wanted that game to be as short as possible in terms of like if you watch, they weren't in a hurry to inbound the ball. Right. They played super deliberate. And I just feel like that's not the team. I get it. It's a bad environment. You're in Utah. You want to take the crowd Weird out altitude. of it. Bring, and you want to like take the air out of the ball and make the game. But is that really the team you want to force a half-court matchup against? No. Utah. I feel like they they play half-court. I mean, the Clippers are a super uh, efficient offensive team in the half-court. But I don't know. It just seemed like... It just seems like the the Clippers, when I watch them play really well, when I'm, when they're playing really well, it's it's usually they're getting out and they're creating like these mismatches where they can get J, like JJ Redick is a great player and he's a great, he's struggling in this series, but I feel like he benefits a lot from their early to late off, like their early to mid transition offense. It's that Warriors chaos thing where it's it's those first six seconds after something when everybody's scrambling to go wherever, and that's when he's really good. That's where games are won usually. If you yeah. look at something, like it's in that this stretch that happens that just something goes mad for like two or three minutes. It happened in the, in the Wizards-Atlanta game. They they Ubre got a steal. Jennings got a steal. They did this, they did that, and all of a sudden they're up 12. And that happens. I feel like the Clippers are never in that situation where they're playing that style on the road where they're ever going to just going to be up 12 because they're, they're going on a run. They're just not going to be going. The Celtics are another team like that. They love the chaos. Yeah. They love when, when, it, when they start slowing it up and Isaiah's bringing up, there's 16 seconds on the shot clock when he's just passing over yeah. half court. I'm always like that. The Bulls should be slowing that pace down and making it super choppy and awkward. The more chaotic they, it gets, the worse they should it is be running post-ups and back downs yeah, with all Lopez the in the game, getting the glass, getting, getting the rebound or, or go old they, school eighties. Like like what David Blatt had the Cavaliers do versus Golden State in right. the 2015 exactly. finals. You, just you want a 92-89 game. You want a caveman style of basketball yes. where just someone's backing. And Jimmy Butler can do that. Back down. Start backing down from the three-point line. Then Wade if, can do it too. That's kind of his style now. That's all he does. Yeah. But it's, I mean, or... You know, the other thing is you could have Michael Carter Williams in there along with Joffrey Laverne and you could have him run pick and roll. You could do that too. Michael Carter Williams. I will say defensively, he does bug Isaiah a little bit. 
Yeah, of course. But offensively, you're playing four and five. And it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, literally, you might even be playing three and a half on five. We did a thing where we were studying like the shot angles and like the ability of a shot to go in in terms of like how, like, how, how lucky or unlucky was a miss because like just the arc of the ball could it have gone in or didn't go in. And he had like so many where the camera, the sport view camera tracking was messed up because he was hitting the backboard and the camera didn't know if it, if it was like over on this side of the court or that side. Like if you watch the ball, it would bounce all around the court because he's taking these threes that are hitting the top of the backboard, the side of the backboard. Yeah. The, the le- they, when they go left or right, that's never a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. He so is the, the worst shooter in the league and it's not close Yeah, of anyone under like six, eight. It's yeah, it's pretty, I don't, well, Roberson. How tall is he, 6'9"? But Ro- Roberson at least had five weeks last spring. Yeah, Roberson's When better. he made shots. But, but Michael Carlum's can Michael make free throws. Is, true. And so it's interesting, right? So I hate, I hate, I tweeted this yesterday. I hate Hack-A-Shack. I think it's awful. I, I love thought, it in its current incarnation. It, it was brilliant how they used it yesterday. Yeah. It was really, really savvy, smart. I always wonder, like, when it's just used as like an effective quickie strategy just to throw a team off, yeah. it's really effective. I don't understand why teams don't do it with the clips more. Yeah. Like just the just the random, oh, we fouled DeAndre and then don't do it again. It's like, are they gonna do this again? No, and then it's in your head. Yeah. I thought I thought I changed game four. I thought it was smart. Utah could definitely benefit from that at yeah. some point because the Clippers are so ridiculously efficient on offense. And you knock them out of the flow because I think there's certain teams, the Clips, the Warriors, I think the Celtics are like this, where they get in these six-minute grooves. And all you have to do is that one hack of shack well, stops it, think reset. About this. Think about this. If, if, if DeAndre, you're gambling that he has a poor night from the line. If he does, <laughs> who do they go to? They have to take him out. Doc has to take him out. Who do they go to now? Maurice Bates. You want right. that guy playing the five? Right. Versus Favors or Gobert and pick and roll. I would definitely... And I would definitely do that at some point. It's just tough because you have to be in the penalty already or the bonus, whichever. Yeah. However you want to call it. And then you can only do it from, you know, you can't, can't do it in the last two minutes of a quarter. So you, it, it has to be a spec. You don't want to foul to get into the penalty because that just puts you in a bad situation. Um, so, yeah. And he has to be on the court. By the way, if time. Rondo decides to play, which I do not think can be ruled out because that guy played with a dislocated elbow and right. played. he finished a game with a torn ACL. Like, that guy's going to play in this series. Anyone yeah. who thinks he's not playing is insane. If he's playing out there with some sort of splint and it's just going to be like Rondo's going to run the offense, and this, I would do hack a Rondo. Yeah. If he's going to have something on his hand. It's his left hand, though, right? I thought it was his shooting hand. No, it's his right hand. Oh, it's yeah, his right it's his hand. Shooting oh, yeah. hand. He can't play then. Can't play with the I'm not thumb. ruling out Rondo. I'm telling you, wow. he'll figure it out. He'll just play with a. He'll play with the broken with hand. A paw, like a giant. <laughs> he'll just turn his hand into a paw. They'll I think turn... they'll do something. They'll... I don't know what you could do. Maybe he'll be the first the guy to do it. Yeah, he'll cut it off. He'll That's be like, I'm not losing this series. Take my thumb. Suture it off. <laughs> but if he does play, in if they don't do hack a Rondo, that's insane. If he does play, they'll probably hack him. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think he's gonna. He might yeah. play. I don't know. You might be right. Golden State, um, next. Next round, playing the winner of this Clips Utah series. I haven't heard a lot of people talking about this. I don't think it'll happen. Sixteen and zero is not inconceivable to me. It's not inconceivable. No, it's not inconceivable either. The thing is that when they turn, they're as good defensively as they are offensively, and people don't realize that. If well, you, nobody realizes Durant's good on defense. So it's like it's like never gets mentioned when the people you, talk about the Durant package. That's like the one thing where you talk about okay, well, if a team wants to muck, you know, bring the variance with three point shots, you aren't getting like are Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum getting a lot of open threes in the series? 
or threes at all. They're not because they're switching everything one to five. Uh, Golden State is, and they've got so much length and arms. They're like Milwaukee, only if Milwaukee was veteran and smart right. on defense and knew every rotation. The one thing that does muck it up a little bit is, uh, you know, their their head coach might not be there. And so you have Mike Brown. I was going to say there's only one man who can stop Golden State. <laughs> no, and unfortunately, it's Mike Brown. I don't know. Mike Brown's a fine coach. <laughs> I don't know. I, maybe. I'm not sure. Mike but Brown's a fine coach? They're all fine coaches. Look, you don't get to be an NBA head coach without being a decent coach, I don't think. I've kind of come to that realization. I don't know who you are right now. <laughs> I've come to that realization. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> uh, Mike Brown had LeBron at his absolute apex yep. in 09 and 2010. Mm-hmm. And they kind of struggled offensively in big moments, which is pretty much impossible. I don't want to hear about the supporting cast. LeBron was at the height of his okay. powers. Okay, you got it. He sure. was 35, 11, and 15 or something in the in the 13 playoff games that year. Okay, it was some crazy 35, 12, and 9 or something like that. Yeah, there's um, only so much a coach can do, though. I, know. I mean, like, look at, like, we're talking about Doc Rivers and now how, you know, he's not doing a good job, but they won a title with him. So, it's it's a lot of it is just the guys around you and finding something that works and sticking I don't think it. Doc's doing a bad job. I, I think his from what I've seen the last couple of years, the biggest mistake is that they never tried small ball with Blake at the five. Yeah. Just the whole league was going that way and, and, and never staggering. He's done so many things that people have thought are horrible, like right. staggering minutes, playing all bench units. Uh, that was like, remember the days when you and I were going crazy that Scott Brooks would take Westbrook and Durant out at the same time. It still remains one of the most inexplicable. Dude, they ran, they ever. ran like a five man bench unit in game one and game two. And it was a total, like their starters were up like 24 and 28 points in the first two games, something like that. And then they rolled out Brandon Jennings, Right, Kelly Oubre Jr., Boyan Bogdanovich. He doesn't get it. Thomas Sadoransky. <laughs> right. like, I can't remember who the other guy was. Just was... play Waller Beal. Just keep Waller Beal out there. But You're he good. also had Wall out there with like, oh, it was yeah. I don't know. It's tough though because they don't have anything. They don't have any depth. That Washington team doesn't really have any depth. So I don't. And then Wall's playing so fast. I don't think he can play th- more than thirty-eight minutes a game. True. He's gonna. He's actually one of the few guys in the history of me watching the NBA where I actually fear for their safety. Sometimes. Did you see that the the dunk that he had? Yeah, that the was le- the most the behind rid- the back lefty. Ridiculous, and the speed of it. Like, yeah. it, that's the thing. It, it, it the speed was just so that was breathtaking. I Him, thought. Westbrook, and Derrick Rose are the three guys from this decade where you're just like, oh my god. Yeah. Giannis is as fast, Giannis. but it doesn't seem like he's no, as fast. It's like an optical so, illusion, and the steps are so long that it's 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 slow. It looks like it's going slower than it actually is. Whereas Wall looks like it's going faster than it actually it just looks so fast does Giannis win an MVP in the next five years probably does he win an MVP before Anthony Davis yeah I don't know I would say that the chance of Anthony Davis going an entire year without being injured and it has to be considered skeptically it's tough yeah I, I, I hope he I mean you know but it just seems like I don't know what they could do what did your model think when they traded for Boogie Cousins and put him and Davis on the same team um, I think it overvalued the, it definitely thought they would be better than they were. Yeah. But it's just, it's just too tough. Like mid season, you don't get very much practice. Like right. the model doesn't know that there's no practice, right? It's a model. It's Especially like, February, March. Nobody's yeah. practicing. Nobody, nobody cares. Yeah. Those games are like, I, I wasn't really paying too much attention to the New Orleans Hornets to begin or the Pelicans to begin with. So I didn't really know, but I do think that it would have overvalued them for sure. They kind of turned it on for a stretch there, played really good for a couple games and they just started resting everyone because they're trying to tank for a draft pick. I don't really care who wins Milwaukee and uh, 
Toronto. I should care. I'm Canadian, but I'm kind of rooting for Milwaukee. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't care. Like, I don't have a betting interest in it or anything. Giannis versus LeBron would be just thrilling for me. Yeah. I just feel like if you're a basketball fan and you don't have any ties to either team in this series and you didn't bet on them, you whatever, want that for sure. You want to see Giannis play LeBron. You want to I, see- I want to see the freak of the last generation and still the freak go against the future freak. And He's- I just want to see them battling like superheroes. Agree. Be that, would be a, that would be a fun series to watch. Giannis is just so his, awesome too. How about his defense? How about, how about the brown he covers? How about like how about like his tweets where he's like, "Oh my God, try smoothie for a first time." I love America. <laughs> like, like, how do you not love this guy? It's amazing. Him and his brother selling like, like watches and stuff like that on the street in Athens is like homeless. But he's not homeless, but like trying to earn a living for the. Right. I mean, it's just he was homeless for a little while. It's amazing to me. Amazing. We did that draft, Jalen and I, 2013. And he was the one guy we just couldn't figure out. Like, you know, the foreign guys, you're just watching YouTube clips, basically. Exactly. We're watching YouTube clips of him, and it looked like he was playing against ninth graders in some gym in the YMCA. And Jalen's like, how old are those guys? And yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know if they're 18. Yeah. And Especially we just when saw- you're playing, like, in a league that's not, like, when you're playing in, like, the Greek league, or you're playing here, you're playing there again, like you said. Like, it's one thing, like, there's that... Luca, I don't know what his last name is. Luca, oh, Luca, Dunk- Luca du- yeah, Dunkage. that guy. That guy's playing in Real Madrid He's already. Seventeen. Yeah, he might be. He might be the guy. The guy. Yeah. He's a, a high school junior playing in on Real Madrid against like the best players in Europe. Yeah. So yeah. against that, you can and but then he's only his stats aren't very good, but right. because you have to look at okay, he's seventeen. But like you said, how do you measure that? Was this the stuff? Rubio 2008 Olympics thing? He's like seventeen or eighteen playing in the uh, yeah. Olympics, but if Rubio had a jump shot, he would be top three point guard in the league, top four point. Guard. Nick should have traded for him, hundred percent for Rose's experiment. But so we're watching those Giannis clips. Sorry, yeah, and we thought the gym was small because <laughs> the ground, you get the the step, and we're just looking at the gym, going, "Is the gym is that like a, a smaller gym? Do they have smart? We couldn't figure it out. And then it turns out, no, he's, he's just, just like, giant. he took these giant steps. And then after they drafted him, he grew two inches. In this rookie year, he grew like two or three inches or something. Like that. There's a little bit of a revisionist history now with that draft. It's interesting. Like the Celtic fans get salty. I, I've made jokes about it. Like, oh, we took Olenek over Giannis. Yeah. But doing that draft, we were all surprised Schroeder didn't go ahead of him. Like mm-hmm. Schroeder was like... Was Schroeder, the Gobert, Giannis, there are all these different foreign guys. And Schroeder was the guy that we were like, oh, we could see him going 13, 14, 15. But see those, I don't know. I just feel like if you have a philosophy on drafting, like look at all of the really shocking draft picks in the history of like the last 10, 15 years. There haven't been like six foot three point guards or six foot two point guards. None of those guys shock you. It's the guys like Giannis, Jokic, uh, Gobert. Like I, I feel like the teams that get it take Marcus gambles. Saw. Yeah take gambles on big players because that's your biggest upside. And those are the players that take the long, DeAndre Jordan. Those are the players that take the longest to develop. And for every case like that, you have another case of like a guy like Larry Sanders who was good, but then didn't have his head on right. Or you have guys like, I can't really think of any, but got big guys who just never. Ashamed like, to beat. Yeah. You have a to beat. Right. But he was a number two. Like I'm talking about taking like in the late rounds. Flyers. Yeah. Just you taking a flyer. Exactly. You it's can, funny though. I've asked people about Jokic because, like, the Celtics had throwaway picks that they could have taken Jokic, and everybody who scouted him that year was just like, "There was no way to see this coming." He was just this fat, pudgy kid who didn't seem like he cared that much about basketball. How yeah. do you know? Nurkic is another example because he, as a player playing last year or this year, excuse me, he looked like he didn't 
couldn't play either when he was playing for. And every team had scouting meetings like, all right, let's talk about Nurkic. He's yeah. available. Should we go get him? And then Portland gets them and he just goes off. Portland gave up. Portland got a first round pick and Nurkic. Yeah. That's how low his value was. Yeah. And yeah. Who, who, I mean, I certainly didn't predict that that type of. I mean, he just made that offense roll. I think the one thing we've learned over the years with trades that that end up being steals is you really have to look at if the guy is just in the wrong situation. Yeah, of course. And it's and it's something we just don't do enough. You know, Nurkic and Jokic could not play together. They picked Jokic. Now you have this guy who's available at this declining price. That's a pretty good gamble. I didn't want the Celtics to trade for Nurkic. I was like, that guy's he can't. But I just was just judging from what I saw. Yeah. But um, but I, I think we've seen that over and over again. There's yeah. certain guys. State of mind of the player at the time, attitude, work ethic, that stuff that you can't really get from on court. And you Here's ask the flip a lot side. Of questions. I really like the Cameron Payne trade the Bulls made because Gibson's leaving anyway. I'm like, Cameron Payne, that's a classic bad situation guy. He's on Westbrook's team. He never has the ball. And then he goes to the Bulls and he stinks. Well, so that, does he that's stink, the flip side of it. I don't know. He might. Is He's, he better than Isaiah Cannon? Isaiah Cannon and Michael Carter-Williams are playing over him and, in a playoff series. But does that mean that he's worse, or does it mean that the coach doesn't think he's good enough? Good point. You know, we don't know. We'll, don't... we'll know after game five, because I'm sure he's going to play 38 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. So do you think the Warriors can go 16-0 and or no? The Houston variance probably screws it up, one of those games. That and the coaching and the, 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 just the, the I mean, if they play Cleveland, I Cleveland's going to take a game probably from them too. I, I don't think they go. I mean, I think they have a chance, they have a better chance than any other team to go 16-0 that I can remember. Soccer and the Lakers went 15-1 and that one year when they lost to yeah, the one Lakers came freaking close. Yeah. OT game one finals. And they was didn't the only just win, they won every game by a lot. That team was, that was like my one of my greatest moments in Robert well, that Bob was history. like you, you built your empire on that The year one. before, but the next year. And the next year. The next year I was riding that. I mean, they were so good. Derek Fisher got injured, came back from injury. They just went on a run. And I was like, I remember they played the Spurs and they were the underdog versus the Spurs that year. And they beat the Spurs like by 20 and 20 or something. Like that. I mean, they just crushed them. Yeah. It wasn't even close. That's your favorite. 04 Pistons you did well too. Uh, 04 Pistons, I did well, yes. But I 08 did. Celtics? 04 Pistons, I pivoted. Oh, poor Pistons, I thought they're not going to have a chance after watching game one. I was like, this team gets every loose ball. Yeah. They're, they're not, they're drawing fouls because they're more athletic. They're, Carl Malone got injured. I was like, this is just, this is a bad. 08 Celtics, I did bad. I, I had the Celt, I had the Lakers that year. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, that's the worst that's thing I've I ever heard. I became really bitter and looked back at all these Phil Jackson quotes. I was like, how does this happen? Why are they letting out so many open corner threes? What is going on here? Um, I did bad that year. I've had a bunch where I've, done bad the playoffs are tough when i was it was it's tough the playoffs are very tough there's so many things you can't predict the best team doesn't always win in a seven game series it's tough i don't i don't really i don't really do the series i don't when i was you know i never really did series plays i'd always just bet the individual games for the most part so sal and i made our big bet before the year which was that golden state would not win the title because we like the odds it's just a death ship. It's just a, it's a everyone on the ship is dead. It's just sailing across the ocean <laughs> yeah. into the middle of nowhere. It has no chance. So we'd, we'd have to have an injury at this point. Yeah. Could happen though. The I mean, theory was we have Durant. I mean, who knows? New team did, but... throwing new guys together. The history of it says it takes a year to figure out. Do we know how healthy Durant is though? I mean, he could no. play probably, but who knows what happens when he plays? This is a good point, And this is where we'll end. Um, because I think we've seen this with Kevin Love too. These guys come back from injuries and we're like, they're back, they're fine. And it's like, a lot of times they're not fine. Yeah. And a lot of times it takes three, four weeks for them to 
kind of look like themselves again. I think we saw that with Kevin Love. I think he came back from a knee injury and he just wasn't the same for a while. Now it's starting. Now he's starting to bang bodies and starting to look like Kevin Love again. But <coughs> I still wonder. I don't understand the Darren Williams thing. I just don't understand it. The guy, the guy, arguably looks as good as he's looked in like five years. This was somebody I thought was on his way out of the league. He had some games for Dallas that played that where he played really he well. Did. If you watched him, I just think he doesn't have to do a lot. Doesn't have to start. And in little bursts like that, like his thing is a durability, like being able to play for an entire game. I right. Think He's perfect for it's 19 perfect, minutes. It's Yeah, it's perfect. That was a really, I thought that was a waste of time to sign that guy. I was completely wrong. No, I thought that he would do okay for them. Yeah. I'd watched, I'd watched him play a little bit this year and I was like, hey, he's probably not going to play 30 minutes a game, but he can play in stretches. They have, first of all, one of the most fun playoff teams we've ever had. They can come back from any lead. They can blow any lead. Oh, yeah. You can never turn the Cavs off. And then you get J.R. Smith too. Yeah, you get. Uh, I mean, you get one of the three best players ever, and Kyrie, who can put up fifty in any playoff game, even though he never does, but it's always looming. Yeah, and Kevin Love can always be weird, and but they they could be down twenty six. You're like, I'm not turning it off. They the, could score a hundred and forty points in a game this year in a regulation game in the playoffs. It yeah, could we could. They, but what will be interesting in the in the finals if it's Cavs Warriors. Do they want to do no. the? They, see, they won't. They're going to yeah. slow it down no, and go the other be, way. It would have to be. It would, it would have had to have been versus Indiana, I think, probably, because they're not going to do it against Milwaukee or Toronto. So that's, you know, they're doing against Celts or that Washington. Game, a, a team where they, I mean, if they played the Celtics, it could be what that type of game. I think it could be for Washington too. Why? Because Washington's going to turn on the Jets and go and. I don't, yeah, I'm not sure. It's always tough to to know what the teams will do and what what their strategy is. But yeah, they're just all right. so good offensively. Austin Rivers is back for game. Uh, here we go. All right. Well, that I voted, changes everything. <laughs> it actually does help them. I voted for him for second team all defense. He's a good, I mean, he's, thank you. He, he fouls, he's a good defensive player, but it's, he's a good defensive player because he fouls all the time. He's, and they, he, gets he learned away from Chris it. Paul, the master. Chris Paul commits 20 fouls a game. Yeah, no, he is. He's, he's, look, he gets a lot of flack. He's not as bad as people think he is, and he's not as good as he thinks he is, which is probably true of every person in this world. <laughs> no no right. one's as good as they think they are <laughs> at anything, but you know, no, he's not as bad as people think he is. He's, 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 he'll, he'll help them. Thanks again to Proper Cloth. Ordering a custom fit shirt has never been easier thanks to them. Proper Cloth custom shirts start for from $85. High-quality shirts made from premium Italian and Japanese fabrics that guarantee a perfect fit. Remakes are free. Their team makes it super easy to do. Stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Start looking your best. Go to propercloth.com slash BS. Enter gift code BS to save $20 on your first shirt. Don't forget about the Ringer NFL show and the Ringer NBA show, those podcasts. whole bunch of stuff going on this week, theringer.com. I will have a column there, maybe even two this week. And Haral Bob, you can follow on Twitter. You've been, I've been, taking you've been it easy. more laid back this year. You've Just been taking it easy. easy. Yeah. I, I still, got into it in the playoffs a little bit, but I didn't do anything during the regular season. Just H-A-R-A-L-A-B-O-B at... Um, no, there'll be a game when you snap. It's going to come. It, it, it's just your history. I'm going, I'm going by your usage rate, your history, your PR throughout the playoffs. You're going to have a, you're going to have a 25 tweet binge coming. I, think I just don't know that. when. I know I've already had that, but who was it about? I mean, the last two games I was watching, I had nothing else to do. So I was watching the games and tweeting, but afterwards it's like, you always feel like regret. It's like a bad one night stand. You know, Yeah. I probably shouldn't be allowed on Twitter during Celtic games, especially in the playoffs, because <laughs> I I just know too much about my team and and I take everything too personally. But 
you know, I was calling for Gerald Green in game one. I was sitting next to my dad. I'm like, we're going to have to play Gerald Green. They need well. one more guy on the perimeter who can at least make uh, make Chicago at least think twice. They mm-hmm. just didn't have it. So now they spread it out. They did they did basically what they did in Utah against Gobert. Spread it out. Bring the big guy out. Mm-hmm. Make him try to guard somebody. It worked. I'll be interested to see with uh, Rondo with his one hand whether it works. Corral Bob Vulgaris. It was a pleasure. I'm glad yeah. we did this. Thanks it's been a me. long time. For sure. Thank All you. right.